How's that? Oh, that's on. Okay, um, so, hi family, how are you? You good? So, my voice is a bit funny, it's, uh, yeah, it sounds a bit funny this morning, but um, I'll do my best just to press through. Uh, just a reminder, we start our, our community soup kitchen uh, in August. Who's ready for that? Wow, fantastic. I would love to see your volunteer forms as well. <laughs> one, one thing, putting your hand up, the next minute, no form. Uh, the volunteer form can be found um, on our Facebook page. So um, you just go to there and you click on the form. And what we're trying to do is that uh, by next week, we can have a teams organized. We want to be well prepared also logistic-wise, make sure that there's enough teams cleaning up, packing up, sitting down with people, um, and also just being able to serve the soup as well. So that means next week, Sunday, was supposed to be our talanoa on uh, abuse and addiction. We're going to postpone that until after winter. The reason for that is that we're going to use next Sunday to kind of do all the logistics around the soup kitchen. Cool? So um, I know that um, Mon had a good idea about uh, bringing some coats in. So if you've got old coats that you're not old, old, rugged, just an arm left or something like that, but a coat that's still usable, a winter coat that you're not going to use, a jacket that you're not going to use anymore, please bring that next week. And we're going to have a, um, a clothing section of coats, just coats, okay, and jackets for the winter period. Uh, so if homeless come in, um, that they can actually pick from there. Cool? Also, uh, if you are wanting to make soup, uh, make soup, you just need to fill in the form so we know who's making soup. The amazing thing is this, this is crazy, hey. Majority of the people that are filled in the form are actually not from our church. They're actually from the community. So you guys, <laughs> oh, amen, put your hand up and I don't see your form. I want to see your form this week. I think there's only like eight of us from our church that put the form in and you know who you are. You know who you are. Thanks, son. So um, we're excited about this. We're excited about opening our place. Remember, it's just a pilot. And hopefully next year, in the three-month three month period of winter, we can continue to serve um, and do our part. Now, we're only doing a small part in actually feeding and also bringing people into a warm place um, just for an evening where we can give them love and also serve them soup and also just have some fellowship as well. Um, and there's many other groups around doing work. We can do our part as a church. We spoke about it two weeks ago before we were on holiday, um, just about the church was always the main um, arrowhead of change around social issues, and I think uh, that's still evident today, but we've got to step up. So in saying that, fill in the form, okay? It'll be great to you. I think we've got about, so far, about 35 people from the community. So that's the thing, and most of them want to do the first one, <laughs> so we've got to spread it out, okay? So please fill that form in, and um, so we can make sure that all the logistics are covered. If you've got your Bibles with you, um, if you don't have a Bible, just ask the person beside you to sh if they can share with you, if you can share with them. If they say no, um, well, you should have brought your Bible. This morning, I'm just going to cover, um, excuse me. Just feeling that um, as a church, God's moving us into a different season. Who's feeling that? There's some unsettledness. There's some, some things that God is shifting and sweeping through, which is exciting. But it's not so exciting if God's doing it to you. Amen? Because <laughs> you know God's cleaning out. God's doing a, a renovation in your heart, a renovation in your life. And things don't seem to be going according to the norm. But the great thing about God is that there's new norms that can come out of it. And for some of us in this room, you're discovering new normals that you're kind of working with God on, which is exciting. But you have to be ready to change. You can't be settled in where you are. You've got to be willing to say, God, I'm here, change me. And it's important because there's a, there's a shift. And uh, I was talking to a few pastors this week, and I thought this was just us as a local church, but a few pastors saying, yeah, I'm on that stirring the Holy Spirit, saying something. We need to be uh, in step with Him. And there's a, sh a, a shift, a re-collaborate, or I mean a reorganizing, a shift in how we think, 
and also a shift in what we do and how we do things. I'm excited about that because we know that God's in it. And if God moves, we've got to move with Him. Because if we don't move and we stay where we are and God moves on, what's behind? Religion. Now, I don't want religion. I want a relationship. So I need to go with the person that I have a relationship with, and his name is Jesus. So as he's moving, I'm going to move with him. Amen? So this morning, everyone say, other side. Everyone turn to the person beside you and say, other side. And you're probably wondering, what's that all about? I want to encourage you that you're right now where you're at. God doesn't want you to stay there, but there's an other side that God wants you to get to. That other side is a platform that God has prepared for you. And this morning, I'm going to make it easy for us. I'm going to put on my P cap because all the points this morning start with P. Okay, just keeping it simple. But this morning, open your Bibles to Mark 4, 30, or starting from verse 30. And it says, says this, Again, he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when you plant, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, and as they could understand, he, said, he did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. That's cool how Jesus did that. He used stories. Jesus was the best storyteller. And he used stories to tell people about the goodness and the, also the love of God. But more importantly, the kingdom of God and what it looks like. And it says in verse 35, this is after a whole lot of ministry, a whole lot of time sharing people about the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus needed a break. Who knows that you need breaks sometimes? And it says in verse 35, that day when evening came, he said to the disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher! Teacher! You know, when you're shouting, you don't make sense. It's supposed to be teacher, but I'm sure they didn't. Teacher! Don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? I mean, going with someone for a long time, and it's not like they forgot his name. Going, <laughs> you're working out with someone or going for a walk with someone. Hey, I've been walking with you. And what's your name again? I keep on calling you Bob. I'm sure your name is Brian. And it's amazing because even with this wind and the waves obeyed him. The crazy thing about this is that when they got to the other side, they had to deal with Legion, a person who was uh, oppressed by a demonic influence, many demons. And the cool thing is this. In the moment here, we find Jesus talking to the disciples about something they needed to know. But they already knew the answer. Because remember, before they left onto the boat, they had already been given a lesson. The lesson was this. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed. I'm sure he's going to listen. As small as a... I'm telling you guys, you need to follow me. That's all you need. That faith. And they get onto the boat. And then the storm hits them. You're like... like Jesus! 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 In that moment there, we can let either faith or fear control us. 
Many of us make decisions based on fear. But God is asking us to make decisions based in faith. So as, as he wakes and he's, I'm sure he, man, imagine Jesus hey, having the best sleep of his life. He's been working hard. You know, just number of hours walking, 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 walking. He's been healing people, seeing dead people rise. He's doing all these miracles. And then next minute, he's telling him, hey, listen, I want to just leave you with a lesson. Just, just listen, just listen to the lesson. Okay. And on the boat, he's having a quiet time and having a sleep. Who likes their sleep? Who likes their sleep after a long day of work? Who likes their sleep after a long week of work? Who likes their sleep after a whole month of working late hours? Hands up. And who knows? Now, I grew up in the Samoan family. And my dad loved to sleep. And if we had to walk around the house, we had to be so quiet. Because in the Samoan house, you have to be quiet. Because things happen in the Samoan house that we can't talk about. But my dad will wake up in the morning and go to work at about 3 a.m. in the morning, come home just before lunchtime, and he needed to have a sleep. Because if you woke dad, you wouldn't see dad ever again. Because you'll come to your funeral, man. <laughs> but the crazy thing about this is that everyone loves their sleep, even Jesus. So imagine Jesus being woken up, enjoying his sleep, Boat's a bit rocky. That's the best time to sleep. There's rain. I love sleeping in the rain. There's wind. Oh, the wind. And he's sleeping. And all he hears in, in his dreams, who's had these dreams, when you can hear outside voices in your dreams. And all he hears is, Rabbi! 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 Wakes up. Be quiet. Be silent. Okay, I've told you guys before. I've told you. As small as a mustard seed, that's all the faith you need. Many times in our lives, we let fear control how we make decisions and why we make decisions. But in this moment here, Jesus walks into a situation that he's already told us about, that he can walk in and calm any storm in our life. Amen. Any storm. There's nothing that is impossible for our God. Because if you start to say there is something impossible, that's an element of unbelief. And the Bible tells us that unbelief is a sin. So that's why we're going to live in this place of faith. I can't see how we're going to get through the storm, but I know if I trust Him, He will calm the storm. As uh, Jesus wakes up, He tells him, why are you so afraid? Why are you so fearful? And in that moment, imagine this. Jesus speaks to the storm that's not out here, but he's speaking to the storm that's in here. Because Jesus is not speaking to the storm out there. Many of you may be having external battles and things raging around you, character flaws that are being corrected, personalities that you're faced with, um, situations and circumstances that you can't control, and it's all external. Hello? And that's, that stuff is designed to rob your peace. That stuff's there designed to rob who God has called you to be. But in that moment there, Jesus says, be calm and be quiet. Because God's not speaking to the storms out there. He's speaking to the storm in here. Because if you can understand, if you can control faith levels in here, you can do anything. But as soon as you let a little bit of a, a storm of fear get into you, you start to doubt. What did Jesus say? That happened in the garden. Did, you, did God say that? And you start to doubt who God is. So this morning, I want to ask you, I want to plead with you, I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, don't let the external derail what's happening in your heart. Don't let the storm that's out here rage in here. So that's why you've got to get to a place where you can understand that God wants us to be in a place where He wants to bring us into perfect peace.
because he knows that if we can get into a place where we trust him even more, he can do more things in and through us. If you take your notes, I want to ask you to take down these verses. I want to take down verse chapter uh, Genesis chapter 37 as the story of Joseph. We're not going to get into it today, but I'll use some comments around that. And I also want you to take down Isaiah 61. And it's all going to make sense. So we're going to the other side. Right now we're here. But the great thing about God is that Jesus didn't say this. Jesus didn't say, let us go to the... He said he gave a promise. He says, let us go to the other side. He didn't say, let us go for a storm and then we'll go to the other side. The thing is that no matter what storm you're going through, there is still the other side and Jesus still promises the other side. That means that Jesus said that he promises that you will make it. You will make it through. Just write down three words if you are taking notes this morning. First word is presence. Second word is purpose. And the last word is platform. I'm going to read from Isaiah 61. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord, and Lydia wrote this, um, read this in our prayer time before service this morning. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings or good news to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives. And open up prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To appoint them unto the morn to Zion. To give unto the beauty for ashes and oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that he may be called trees of righteousness, planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So all this stuff is not for our own glory. It's for his glory. Thou shalt build up a waste, and shall rise up the former desolations, and shall repair the wasted cities and desolations of generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and sons of the aliens, our sons of aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named priests of the Lord. Men shall call on you ministers of God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and the glory shall be on boast yourself. For your shame shall have doubled, and the confusion have rejoiced in their portion. Therefore, in the land that shall possess the double, everlasting joy shall be upon them. And it ends off on verse 11. It says, For as the earth brings forth its bud, a garden causes things that shall be sown to spring forth. The Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth from all nations. And other translations of that, I love the fact that God talks about what he's enabled us to do. That he's anointed us. Isn't that pretty cool? He has anointed us. He, the anointing of God is the enabling of God to do something he's called us to. God has enabled you to do all his work on earth. Then he gives us a PhD to preach, heal, and deliver people. Straight away, he gives us a qualification saying, you're not just anointed, you also have authority to preach. I love to break it up as preach, teach, and reach. A PhD, heal. Heal those who are brokenhearted, those who are, are broken from the past, those who are broken in the current, those who are just broken. God wants to bring healing. And then deliverance. Deliverance for those who are bound in their own past. Bound in themselves. Cool qualification, eh? And then he goes, and it says on, and it talks about how God wants to display us. Because that means he is glorified. 
we become a display of the Lord for His splendor and His namesake. So every time we talk about stuff like this, it's not for our glorification. It's not about us. It's about lifting up the name of Jesus. That's the bottom line. When, when, we, when we do the soup kitchen, it's not about us. It's about lifting up the name of Jesus and also serving in our community, serving in the way that God has actually entrusted to us to preach, to heal, and to deliver. So when God calls you in His presence, the reason why I want to say this is that everything that you're called to has to be started in the presence of God. Every story in the Bible starts in the presence of God. Moses, when he got his calling, he sees a burning bush in the presence of God. Joseph gets a dream from God. That's why I mean, read it for yourself, Genesis 37, in the presence of God in a dream. Who knows that God's still speaking to you in dreams? He hasn't stopped. And he gives you this download of his heart intention for you so he can be glorified through you. It's not for your glorification. It's for God's uplifting, to be lifted up. So we need to get to a place where we understand in his presence, this is where we receive our call. Over here is his purpose because out of that, when we're in his presence, we find our purpose in God. Because we can have a purpose, but if it's not anchored in Christ, we miss the point of life. If we can find our God purpose in life, man, you would live a satisfied life. You will die with no regrets. You will lie on your bed and you will say, it is well my soul. Because I've done everything I was born to do. Can we honestly say that? Or we can say, man, I didn't get to do that. I didn't get to do that. I didn't get to travel there. But the thing is that when you are God call in His presence and He gives you a purpose, God will add the rest. If you seek Him first, He will add the rest. If you seek after Him First, it won't say first. It won't say first. Third. <laughs> it won't say third. Oh, did you say third, Joseph? No. First. First. If you seek after him first, he will add to your life. He will make sure that your heart's desires are met. But what you what you'll find out in life is that your heart's desires become his desires. He downloads his desires and you wow. I get to do this, God, for you. And the crazy thing about God is that He doesn't just have this presence and a purpose. He gives you a platform. He places you in a place where He can display yourself, Himself, for you. Oh, but Job, God's not about platforms. Yes, He is. Look at Joseph's life. Joseph wasn't, he didn't stay in the prison. He came out of the prison and he was placed in the palace. And he, he ruled under the king as prime minister of a land. Do you think that's a platform? I think so. Moses, look at his life. If you look at his life, presence, purpose, platform. In this room, there's people that God's bringing into a place that God's going to give you a platform to speak into spheres that you've never been able to speak into before. And you can't say, I'm just humble, God. I'm humble in your sight. Yes, he knows your heart. He knows your intentions. But he wants to use you to display himself through you. Hope you're excited about that. Because that's the other side to us. That's the other side over here for us as Christians. We just can't have... Presence, purpose, but we've got to understand that God wants to give us a platform over here. No matter what it is, no matter how big or small, God will give you a platform. Don't be scared of the platform that God gives you. Your platform could be like in a setting at the Marae. When someone asks you, can you speak on our behalf of our family? 
Okay, well, God, oh, I don't want to do that. But God said, no, you. I've chosen you. Or could be at a workplace where people go, I think we're going to promote you today. I've heard about promotions already in the last month. This is wonderful. But God wants to bring you into a place where you're promoted so you can be recognized that people will see you and go, man, there's something different about you. you you're not just there. I'm not saying you take your Bible with you and you can walk around your workplace and start preaching to everyone. But your life should be a reflection of the glory of God. If people are not saying that you're a Christian, they, and, and that's your fault. I'm not just being serious. That's your fault. Because you're not showing the love. I'm not saying you go and put a bumper sticker on your car now. I'm a Christian. That doesn't say anything. What it does say is that that's religion. But what you need to do is live a life that explodes God. That people look at you and go, man, I love the way you talk. I love the way you walk. I love the way that you do life. What is it special? What's special about you? You go, all I know is that Jesus rescued me, and I'm just going to carry on with his plan. And I'm satisfied with that. Some of you in this room are actually born to preach the gospel. Are ready to go to nations and preach the gospel. Don't be shy of the platform. Some of you are meant to be working in the community in a large capacity. Don't be shy of the platform. Some of you in this room are born to actually work in the physical education or um, anything like that, in the physical areas of life that you need to. What's that called? Yeah, that, that thing. Something physical. But it's what God has called you to, you've got to be ready for. <laughs> Something physical. Because we can be like the people that are not in this room that put their hand up and not fill out a form. I'm just being serious. Because sometimes it's all, it's all like, yeah, amen, brother. And on the, on the 4th of on August, and it's hardly any of our church there, I'm going to ask some questions. Because what you're saying is that, yeah, Joe, I'm going to be there in spirit. This is the best one. I'm going to be praying for you guys. No, no, come down with your feet. Tell your feet to bring your body with you and serve some soup. That's what you need to do. Simple. That's, we're not asking much. But Joe, I didn't serve soup. Oh, you can pick up rubbish. I'm not just saying. Because I think we can get so entitled as Christians. I'm, I'm just being serious here. We go, it's not my thing, Joe. It's, I don't do that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I want to be more like Christ. And that's what Christ did. He, hang around, he hung around with sinners. He was in there, right in there. He was involved. And I want to be doing that for, like Christ. So I'm going to be sitting down with people having some conversations. I want to ask them, can I pray with you? And if they say, no, you don't get angry. You say, okay then. That's fine, brother. You sit down and have a conversation. These people who are coming in are not notches on a belt. Hello? They're not numbers to fill up a stat sheet. They're not baseline data. They're people. Loved by God. They need to know the love and feel the love of God. Some of them may be pushed away from the church because some, some religious person came up to them and told them everything wrong about them. But we're going to show them everything right about our God. And we can be a light to them by serving a piece of soup. <laughs> I didn't get my vocab correct on that one. Serving some soup, loving them, giving them a jacket, clothing them, hugging them, embracing them. This is what we need to do. Because my Lord wants us to be just like Him. Here's some things that are going to be tested in this time from presence, purpose, and platform. What's going to be tested? Your priorities will be tested. P, number one. Your priorities.
Your patience will be tested. P number two, patience. Whose patience has been tested lately? Hands up. Whose patience has been tested right now? Yeah, praise God. The thing is that when you take a lot of that, you can say, okay, God, what are you teaching me in this moment right now? What are you teaching me, God? One of the things that Joseph lacked in a, when he received the call of God and, and the dreams, he lacked two things. And this is a side note. He lacked impatience and he was immature. Two things as Christians we can be in society. We can be impatient with God and that leads to trouble. We always want to rush God. God, now? God's going, wait. Now? Wait. 20 years later, now? Wait. And sometimes when we are impatient and we step in things that it's not the timing, it's not the Kronos moment, it's not God's timing for us, we can lose sight. And God... You know, God's prepared and ordained a time. And we need to be okay with that time. So impatience. Um, I've met so many people over the years that have been impatient about the call of God. Nah, it's now. There's a, there's, there's a side note. Do you know when God gives you a call, there's four things that work in place. There's four things. What did I go on that? There's four things that happen. There's a call. Everyone say call. And all the way down there is a thing called commission. Everyone say commission. There's a call and a commission. On the way through, there's two other things taking place. There's covering. Everyone say covering. And then what's happening on the ground when you're walking through is character. And what happens is that when you're impatient with God and you're immature, you say, it's now, God. I've got my youngest. They want lollies when we go to the, you know, you go to the shop and you focus, you know, this is what we need. And they go down and they bring a, a bag of chips over and they, we were going to go down there. If you waited, we could have got something else. But the thing is that impatience comes out of immaturity. And so when you're here and you start making calls for yourself without getting perspective, you can actually Walk a very difficult road because God wants to deal with you here. He wants to deal with you here and he wants to deal with you here and here and here and here every single day and here. Because what he's doing is actually he's chipping away at your character. Because over here, he knows that you can be such a rude person. Who, who me? And what he's going to do is actually, he's going to bring other rude people in your life to show you what you look like. And then you go to them, you are so rude. And then God's looking back at you, yes, you are. Because that's what God does. And then you're over here, and then you're over here, and then someone, and God's working on your anger issues. And God brings some angry people around you. And you go, man, they're so angry. wonder where they... My, my wife told me the other day, man, your, your son just he reacts. He reacts like this. And then she looked at me and she goes, yeah, your son reacts, just reacts like someone in this house. That's the father of that child. I knew where she was going with that. And I thought to myself as a dad, actually, yeah. Then I realized I'm modeling something for him. So I needed to change. And I still need to change. Because I'm not perfect. Sorry for the perfect people in the room. <laughs> Sorry about you. Your perfectness. <laughs> Go to the church down the road. The church called I'm Perfect Church. But over here, this is what God's doing. Character. Because he's working on your heart. Because he doesn't want you to stay the same. He doesn't want you to be rude and angry. He wants to bring you in a place where you can find peace. That you can actually be gentle. Oh, wait a minute. There's a fruit of the Spirit. Ah! That's what the Bible says. Because in that process, you walk in and step with Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit's showing you, if you hang out with me, then you'll start to develop fruit in your life. If you want patience, those are fruit coming out of our relationship. You want gentleness? That comes out of here. If you're wondering why you're not patient, 
And you're not gentle because you're hanging out with the wrong person. Hello? And you need to look in the mirror and say, oh, I need to spend more time with God because he can display those fruit in my life. Number two, uh, number three, sorry, is perspective. One of the best advice I got from my spiritual mentor was don't make any decisions in your life if you're severely stressed. Don't make any major decisions when you're stressed because sometimes those are the worst decisions. Perspective is important. Perspective in the Bible is everywhere. It's everywhere. And the crazy thing is that in the church, it disappears. Perspective is important because when you're here and you get the call and you get kind of the purpose and, and, the, and in the presence of God and you walk in with God and you kind of come into the, everything that God has for you, what happens is that there's going to be some people that God brings around you. They're going to give you a, a quite, quite a different look at something. And they're going to show you a different perspective on this journey. For example, if I'm walking and my boys are all with me, Zechariah is 16. Zechariah's up to here now. Where is he? He's back there. Oh, there. That's my child. <laughs> Zach's here and my youngest is here, Reuben. Actually, my youngest is here, baby. And the thing is that all my boys at different stages of their life will need perspective from mum and dad. Because Zach needs perspective as a teenager on decisions he needs to make now at his stage of his life. Reuben, his decisions in life is just to wake up, whether to go and brush his teeth. Because apparently that's a decision now. I don't feel like brushing my teeth. Not tonight. But I'm a great thing he's a good mum. And a good dad. And he, these are simple decisions that he's got to make, but they're still decisions. So the different levels of decisions they're making in life, the reason why I say that, I get perspective based on that decision and perspective based on that decision. Yes, you should brush your teeth. Maybe that's not the subject you should be taking because in a few years' time, you're going to be looking for employment. So you need to look at this. you like got 15 years to go, bro. <laughs> Just enjoy everything. Enjoy it, man. This guy's a few years away from paying the rent. <laughs> this guy here's got a lot, enjoying life with mum and dad. So different perspective at different stages. You need people to speak into your life. If you've just started your journey with Jesus, don't just throw everything out. You need to say, okay, who are the people around me? We talked about this before. Who's in your waka? It's amazing how we say, who's in your waka? And everyone goes, oh, the same people. The same people. <laughs> I think some of us need to change who's in our walker. That's just being honest, okay? Okay? So just, just kick everyone off and start again, okay? So when you're starting on this journey, you need some mentors, people who's further down the track, who've walked with God for a long time. I love, Lynn and I love getting perspective from Kevin and Nancy, getting perspective on different things. And they've given us some sound advice on some issues. We've got some other people who have been down, down here, down here, walking with Christ. And you go, wow, I didn't see it that way. And then there's some people that I get to give perspective to, learning from this. I can go, hey, guess what? I've learned something from Kevin over here. And now it's become my revelation. <laughs> now it's become our revelation. But I want to pass that on to you. And you give them perspective. And it's important. That goes on. That goes on. Here's some perspective. This world will never give you peace. This world will never give you peace. Only Jesus will give you peace. People are always looking for, this is the latest thing I've heard online with some of my friends. I'm just looking for peace. And I always inbox them saying, you know that, you know where I stand on that. I don't Bible bash them. I just say, you know what I'm saying? Of it. And, you know, we can have a talk about that stuff, you know. But this whole thing of peace, I just want peace in my life. 
I, I can tell you there's someone that gives perfect peace. Not just peace, but perfect peace. I don't know what it looks like, but it's perfect. So I want that. And so it's important to allow God to fully have your life. You can't hold on to your past and take that with you. The baggage needs to stay behind so you can fully give everything to God. God's not, the decisions we make in the front here in terms of giving the hearts to the Lord, we may have made those decisions a long time ago. None of that is real until you just start becoming a disciple of Christ. It's just a decision. But when you follow that up with becoming like Christ, those things start to flow out in your life. What's God going to deal with them before is pride. Pride. I don't know why I did that, but pride is a big thing. Pride is major. Pride is, is a big one, okay? Number five, purity. In this process, temptation will come. If you've got the wrong people in your walker and you're walking in a place of temptation, those people should be man enough or woman enough to say, hey, making some bad decisions. Get out of it. And you should be okay enough to say, I trust what you've said. And I'm mature enough to say, I've got to change. Pain. Uh, persecution will come. There's numbers. P, the two P's there, persecution and pain. In this process, it's not an easy process. Change is not easy. Persecution will come and pain will come. Does it mean that God wants to give us pain? No. But out of, out of pain, it'll, He allows things to happen in your life. That when you're walking through that, you go, man, you get hurt, you get persecuted by people, situations. And in that form, you got to ask yourself, God, what are you saying to me? What are you changing in me? Number seven, past. God wants to deal with your past. Like I said, you can't take your past with you into the future. Number eight, another P is people. The people around you. We said it before, who's in your waka? Let's be honest, if, if there's just three people in your waka, that's fine. You can't keep everyone happy. Some of you are struggling with the whole thing of, I've got my friends that I used to hang out with, um, but they're still my friends. Yes, they can still be your friends, but it doesn't mean you have to follow after what they do. You've got to be wise enough to say, I'm, I don't do that anymore. Number nine, he's dealing with your praise. Through the pain, through the persecution, are you still going to praise him? Because that's one of the biggest things as Christians we need to understand. I put up a little blog thing on what happens when we praise. Do you know when we start and we, we praise and worship? That's the tag or the, the label we give that section. Um, in the church settings, that's just, just what we do, you know, because we understand the power behind praise. The enemy's scared of praise. So if you're not praising him, if you're not honoring him with your whole life, remember, praise is not just about songs we, live, we sing up here, it's about the lives that we live out there. So praise God. When, when things happen that don't occur, remember, life is like, for some of us, we think, let's get this straight. I'm pulling the table back because I'm getting serious. Okay. Some of us think that life should be like this. Those are the perfect people. Life should be that sweet. Hands up if you know that life is not like that. See, for some of us, life is like this.
That's life. And if you can get into your system that life is like that, you'll be okay. Because there's someone named Jesus walking through with you. One thing for God to appear to you, but it's another thing for God to appear through you. So let your life display Him in everything that you do. Doesn't mean you go and now put as many memes on Facebook as you can of how, how Christian you can be. It's not even about that. At the end of the day, it's about knowing the Savior, having a relationship with Him, and knowing that He's the Savior and the Lord of your life. He's not just your Savior. He needs to be Lord as well. Let's all stand to our feet. Hope you're blessed this morning. Pete, can I just ask you to jump onto the, the keys? Thanks, man. I'm a, um, for those who know me and those who know me pretty well, I'm quite a simple person. I don't like too extravagant things. We just love to keep things simple. That's the, that's the type of person I grew up as. And I thank my, my God for listening to two amazing parents who grounded me, who actually were more focused on building the character instead of the caliber. Because caliber comes out of character. You've got to have a strong character. And I thank God for my parents for doing that for me. The reason why I say that is this. If you're sitting in this room here and you have had a rocky situation where things haven't gone according to plan I just want to say it's okay it's okay just know that there's a God who loves you enough to walk with you through it and guess what you will get to the other side there is an other side to this but you've got to trust him even more I think some of us in this room also are thinking well how can I be closer to God Joseph I'm, I'm still new to this this is kind of foreign to me I never grew up in the church it's okay Calm yourself. Because God's already got your heart. That's first. He's got your attention now. All you need to do is put one foot in front of the other and get closer and closer to Him. How do we do that? Well, open up the Word and start with that. The Bible. Oh, I read it all the time, but it's not doing anything. Well, maybe if you took the Bible and actually applied what was in the Bible, then you start to see some shifts in your life. But it's hard, Joe. It's hard to do that. I can't change my life. Yes, you can. There's a God that promises perfect peace. And if you're looking for that, that's what He can bring into your life. There's nothing extravagant about it, but Jesus is the most extravagant part of it. But it's a simple process of saying, everything I have, I give back to you. We are not perfect in this place. We said that from the start. I'm not a perfect pastor. I don't think there's any perfect pastors out there. Praise God. You're not a perfect Christian. But the great thing about us is that we have a perfect Savior who is our perfect Lord. So I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes for a minute. And if you feel like you've been in that place where, man, you've been tested, you've had a few trials, and in the last month you feel there's been a shift, and a change in your life. You feel like God's actually pressing you more and bringing you more out. And you're excited about it, but you're fearful. Like, God, what do I do, God? I don't know what's changing, but I know I need to shift with you. If you feel like that, every eye is closed this morning. What I want you to do is say, just lift your hands and say, God, it's me. You know me. Awesome. That's me, God. Had a few rough weeks, but I know that you're still there. I know you're changing some things in my life. That's wonderful. If your hands are on. Every eye's closed. This is between you and God. If 
Father, I just want to pray just even now for those who are just raising their hands to you, Lord God, and what they've been going through, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you'll give them a sense of peace even now. Holy Spirit, you reveal yourself as a comforter. I pray that you'll reveal yourself afresh to your children this morning. God, I thank you, Lord God. Minister to them, Lord God, we pray in the name of Jesus. Wonderful. You can put your hands down again. Just keep your eyes closed. Just one more thing, one more invitation. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't know who I'm talking about, I want to say this up front and straight to the point. His name is Jesus. He's the Savior of the world. He was given a sacrifice on the cross so we can have right relationship with the Father, God the Father. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't know who Jesus is, I would love to pray with you. So as every eye is closed this morning, I want to invite you. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to say, I just, just raise your hand and say, man, I, I would love to pray and know Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your love and your mercy and your grace. I thank you that we can be in a place where we can shine your light to our community and our city and this nation, Lord God. Lord, I thank you for just family here today, Lord God. I pray that you would continue to minister to people today. And Lord, we just want to pray for just that you would renovate our lives, Lord God. Shift us, shape us, and move us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. We honor you today. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.